Welcome to the Healing Pain Podcast with Dr. Joe Tata. Each week, we interview top experts in physical therapy, pain science, and integrative pain care. You'll learn the most up-to-date information for treating and reversing persistent pain. This podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended to be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Joe Tata. Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Healing Pain Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Joe Tata. As always, super honored that you're spending this time with me this week. As many of you know, the month of June is Gay Pride, or what is known as LGBT Pride Month across the globe. This is a time of celebration, as well as one of increased awareness, where the LGBT community promotes their equality, builds community, and celebrates sexual diversity and gender variance. If you've been following along with the podcast, last week I interviewed clinical psychologist Laura Dickey about transgender healthcare. You can access that in episode number 137. Today you'll meet Dr. Chris Condren, who is a doctor of physical therapy to discuss LGBT inclusion in the physical therapy curricula and profession. Chris is an orthopedic physical therapist and an instructor in the Transitional Doctorate of Physical Therapy program at Arcadia University. Hey, that's my alma mater where he teaches health and wellness promotion as well as case analysis. Chris's educational background includes a master's in exercise physiology, an MBA in business administration, a DPT in physical therapy, and he's currently enrolled in the EdD program at the University of North Carolina. He has personally advocated for curriculum change within physical therapy education and has created training material on the subject of LGBT inclusion in physical therapy practice. Chris's research and advocacy interests are centered on providing inclusive clinical environments, transgender health issues, eliminating health disparities in the LGBT population, and establishing curriculum for LGBT cultural competency in the classroom and beyond. Chris is also a board member of PT Proud, which is the LGBT Catalyst Committee under the Health and Policy Administration section of the American Physical Therapy Association. On today's episode, Chris will share some of his unique life experiences related to diversity, equity, and inclusion of LGBT individuals in the physical therapy profession. Now, if you're a practitioner or potentially an educator and you're interested in the topic of LGBT inclusion in physical therapy or any other medical practice, Chris and his colleagues have created a LGBTQ competency handbook for physical therapists. This is a free manual you can download today, which includes information about LGBT inclusion in both the clinic and the classroom. To download this handbook, all you have to do is text 138-DOWNLOAD to the number 44222. That's 138-DOWNLOAD to the number 44222. Or if you're on your computer, you can open up a new browser and you can type in the URL www.integrativepain.com scienceinstitute.com forward slash 138 download. That's integrativepainscienceinstitute.com forward slash 138 download. I know Chris and the other members of PT Private love if you can get your hands on that and put it to good use in both the clinic as well as in education. I want to personally thank Chris as well as my other colleagues at PT Proud for being a catalyst and making some bold moves and taking a step forward with this important topic. Okay, and without further ado, let's begin with the amazing Chris Condren. Hey, Chris, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here this week. Hi, Joe. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. I had Laura Dickey on a couple of weeks ago talking about transgender issues, but I wanted to have someone specifically, obviously from the fields of physical therapy, because I'm a physical therapist, 
and you are too. So we're going to talk about all those topics today on the podcast. But first, tell us about what you're currently doing in the world of physical therapy. For the last six years, I've been an outpatient physical therapist. I'm PRN so right now with Select Medical so that I can moonlight as an instructor for Arcadia University. And uh, I'm also going to, I'm actually back at school for a fifth degree for an EDD in kinesiology at UNC Greensboro. With it. Hopefully one day I can be a full-time tenure track professor. So, so you're, you're transitioning slowly from clinical care eventually to teaching. Yes. All right, excellent. And, but you're doing some teaching now, aren't you? Yeah, so I'm teaching part-time for Arcadia University. I teach uh, health and wellness promotion and also the final capstone course with them, you know, writing a publishable case report. I went to Arcadia for my transitional DPT. And I actually took the, of course, I took the class that you teach with the wonderful Kirsten Palombaro. Yes. I can't say enough good things about Kirsten. She's been, I was actually a student of Kirsten's also. She's been great with mentoring me for the last six years. Well, and also during my degree program. So I can't say enough about her. Yeah. Her class, the health and wellness promotion class is such a great class. And I think she's just so open and lets people develop their own method, if you will, around health and wellness. And she told, she told me recently that you guys have like 400 students in the class or something like that. Yeah, I think we're close to 600 students enrolled now in the wow. doctoral program throughout all of our cohorts. So it's really grown quite a bit. We're international now as well. So we have students from all over the world, which is exciting to teach for sure, because there's so many different perspectives and it's interesting to see what each student's passion is around what's important to them in their own local geographic area. Things that we don't deal with here in the United States are so important in other areas. And it's interesting. I think one of the ones that comes to mind is like parasite prevention. It is something we don't talk about much here in the United States, but was such a big issue there for that student and that they wanted to make their health and wellness promotion program around that. So that was really neat. And where does that student live? I want to say that it was Southeast Asia. We also get a lot of students from the Philippines and, you know, India. So just really interesting for me to create more cultural competency around those other areas. Kirsten, she has a lot of experience with volunteering in the adoption agency in China. So she has a lot more experience in cultural competency around Asian cultures. And so I sometimes have to rely a little bit on her to learn more about that and become more culturally competent so I can serve our students a little better. Yeah. I know you're both doing great work in that class and I really appreciate the work you're both doing. One day we, I'll have Kirsten on this podcast and we'll be talking about it. That's my little plug to get Kirsten on here. <laughs> but tell me about the work that you're passionate about, the work that I think no one has done yet in the profession and the work that we have to start to roll out. So there's a select group of us right now who are trying to push a more inclusive LGBTQ environment in PT, in the field in general, through many different venues, through trying to get more LGBT people in leadership roles in the APTA and other organizations, to creating inclusive curriculum for our students and making the PT field, even in the academic setting, more inclusive and welcoming to the LGBTQ community. So let's talk about our, the PT education first. 
do, does the curriculum include any competency for this topic in the curriculum? So there's very little. I can tell you that when I went to school, this is kind of how I got started on this. There was one slide on the topic in a cultural <laughs> health disparities class. Now there's a, starting to be a little more. I've been doing some guest lecturing here in Pennsylvania, uh, where I'm from. And Kirsten has welcomed me with open arms to Widener to be able to share this material with her students at Widener. And I'm very excited to kind of start doing more of this. Hopefully, a bunch of us can start doing more of this in a nationwide type of environment. It was great after some of my lectures, some of my students at schools that I've lectured have reached out to me and wanted to do in-services in the clinics that they're on clinical rotations. So it's really starting to, I think there's definitely a big need and it's starting to take off and people are really starting to get interested in this. And what is the APTA? Like, have they taken a stance on topics like this? I know that yeah. these, are, these are really hot button topics if you, when they show up in the media. And eventually professional organizations like the APA, the American Psychological Association, has put out a number of statements, has our own association started to put out their opinion, if you will, with regard to these types of topics. Yeah, we're really fortunate in that the APTA has recently started putting out content in support of LGBTQ non-discrimination. So recently, the Trump administration, had, the Health and Human Services Department has put out some content, some policy and prospective policy around discriminating against LGBTQ people. And earlier or later in 2018, we also saw some policy around transgender issues and defining gender as binary and biological at birth. And fortunately, through PT Proud venues, we've been pushing for the APTA to take some stances on this. And fortunately enough, we've been heard and the APTA has stepped up and put out some really strong statements in anti-discrimination. And it really is validating for an LGBTQ identifying therapist to see their professional organization supporting this stuff. Because if, as professionals, if we followed what the current administration is putting out there, there may be an inherent conflict of interest with regard to providing care for a patient. Absolutely, yeah. What the Health and Human Services Department just put out was basically saying that if you can base your discrimination based on religious beliefs, that you can discriminate and withhold care from a patient. So we're already in a situation where the LGBTQ population is marginalized in our society anyways, and is not very confident in the medical system in general and the healthcare system in general. Very skeptical because we've experienced discrimination very frequently. The U.S. Transgender Survey that Laura talked about, over 27,000 respondents to that, all it was in greater than 60% of individuals had experienced some form of healthcare discrimination at some point in their lives. That's a lot of folks to be experiencing the discrimination when we're pursuing a setting that's supposed to help us and improve our health and wellness. A lot of the, the new studies coming out are suggesting that LGBTQ people have poor health outcomes and also poor self-rated health in general. So we actually rate ourselves lower than our cisgender or heterosexual counterparts. And I think that speaks volumes to, to what we're experiencing as a community 
and where we need to start improving. And I think PTs can do that. I think PTs as an organization, as a field, we can certainly, we get a whole hour with a lot of our patients, maybe not one-on-one, but we're able to interact with our patients in a different level than many physicians, nurses, other practitioners are able to do so. I think touch also plays a significant role in the type of connection that we are able to create with our patients. And so they feel more comfortable in a lot. The hope is that people feel more comfortable interacting with us. Some of the surveys aren't suggesting that. Recently, there was one that came out of um, the University of Queensland, Australia. It was just like released like last month. One of my PT Proud co-chairs sent it to, to us. All of the concerns that a lot of us in the LGBTQ community have and that we're experiencing were validated in the survey, basically saying that, yes, most individuals are experiencing some type of discrimination. If they aren't directly experiencing it, they're fearing discriminating experiences. And that our practitioners generally have a lack of knowledge around that. And I think that's what you were getting at, Joe, when you asked about the curriculum. Yeah. When I, when I reflect on the curriculum, I mean, I went to school quite a number of years ago. This kind of information definitely did not show up anywhere. And it's funny because when I think back, I would be, when I was in PT school, I wasn't out of the closet yet, but I remember being very uncomfortable like in palpation labs and, you know, where you're now interacting with people who may understand or not understand who you are and the things you're comfortable with. How many hours do you think of this really should show up in a doctoral training physical therapy curricula? Well, I think certainly there should be at least, even if it's just like a week-long intensive summer course on cultural competency around LGBTQ issues, I try to cram it into a two to three hour lecture you know, the first week is when I get them at Widener. I think a lot of this stuff could just be infused into the regular curriculum, right? I just talked at Lebanon Valley College a, a couple weeks ago in Tanya Miller's class, and we were discussing access and justice in the healthcare system. And it was great because I could just pop in there for an hour, add in some of this content around LGBTQ discrimination, how to improve access, what we can do as PTs to create an inclusive experience in an inclusive clinical setting to eliminate those barriers. So let's talk about that from a physical therapy practice perspective. What are the barriers, I guess, first toward physical activity? The U.S. Transgender Survey, and there was another survey out of Europe by Jones and their colleagues that talked about, especially transgender people are experiencing around trying to access physical activity And I can personally speak to some of these things because I've experienced them myself, but the general lack of inclusive space. So no gender neutral bathrooms, no anti-discrimination policies, insufficient locker room facilities. Also, we're seeing a lot of this now in PIAA and NCAA issues. Recently, we saw the judgment in for the Olympic committees around who can participate based on gender identity, and their hormone levels. So there's not a whole lot of inclusive policy around that. Chris Mosier, you know, recognize that name, is a trans athlete who does predominantly endurance-related races and triathlons and things like that. And he has been instrumental in spearheading the transgender-inclusive policy within sports. And so I think the physical therapy could certainly jump on board and try to start advocating as well 
as an organization for those types of things because many of our patients are athletes, right? And then if we kind of boil it down to the actual like PT practice, whether it's a outpatient orthopedic practice or potentially a practice that exists within a hospital setting, how do physical therapists make this community feel more welcome to come into an environment that, quite frankly, may be intimidating for them? From my perspective, there's kind of two spaces there. I look at it from a patient experience content and then also from a clinical setting content. So I'll kind of talk a little bit about the inclusive experience part first. And I think this comes down to behaviors that are presented from the physical therapist. And one of the big things that I like to touch on first is confidentiality. And I use this first because I think it's one of the most important things we can do to create established therapeutic relationship is maintaining HIPAA and not outing our patients. So unless a patient, maybe, for example, this would be a case that might be an exception is like you're a pelvic floor therapist, you have someone, you're going on vacation, you have someone that's covering for you, that might be a situation where you can out someone and disclose their surgical history and things like that, because it's going to be relevant to their care. However, I jump in there, I'm a PRN therapist, I show up at a clinic covering a total knee replacement. It's not relevant to me what's in their pants or under their clothes. It's really just, I'm worried about their knee, right? So maintaining that relationship, maintaining that confidentiality, I think is essential. In addition to that, I think there's a couple things that we can do behaviorally as far as listening and recognizing that gender identities and sexual orientation exist on a spectrum and not making assumptions that everyone's heterosexual or cisgender, also kind of following their lead on that. So being able to actively listen to someone and hear them and understand what is going on with them around their gender identity and how they present. So using their preferred name rather than their legal name, using their preferred pronouns rather than what's on the medical chart. And really using our best judgment not to ask questions out of curiosity, but asking questions out of necessity. Like I mentioned in that previous scenario around total knee stuff, I don't need to know what their surgical history is to treat a total knee. So I shouldn't be asking questions because I'm curious about where they are in their transition. And even for somebody who's trans identifying, sometimes that's like, ooh, I would love to talk to this person because I'm going through a lot of this stuff at the same time. I might be able to create a therapeutic relationship. But even myself, I have to back off of that because it needs to be about the patient's experience. Kind of maintaining that and continuing with that. And then, you know, last thing is understanding gender dysphoria. I think Laura talked a little bit about gender dysphoria. And I think one of the big things around gender dysphoria, it's basically a malalignment between what is going on for you outwardly and what's going on for you inwardly things in our environment can trigger that dysphoria. And you as the therapist don't want to be that trigger. So I think there's a couple of key things that we can do to make that happen, right? So always asking permission and explaining what we're doing while we're doing it. So if we want to touch or disrobe, we're always asking permission and we're explaining what we're doing as we're doing it. And understanding that our body parts as people may make us uncomfortable. And this goes kind of for an inclusive environment in general, for all bodies, right? Like if you're overweight, maybe you're not okay taking your shirt off, even if you are masculine identifying. When that person does need to disrobe or something like that, making sure that we're not acting in a way that's surprised or judgment, 
or like oogling, right? So I have my top surgery coming up at the end of June. Let's say I'm in recovery and I wipe out sledding with my son in December in the snow and I tear my rotator cuff and I need to go in for some therapy. And you ask me, I'm masculine presenting and you ask me to take my shirt off. And at first I'm kind of apprehensive because I have these large scars from my top surgery, but eventually I kind of comply and I take my shirt off. I would hope you as the PT would not be like, whoa, what happened to you, right? We need to understand that that's what happens when someone has this procedure done, right? It's just like if a woman has a mastectomy because of breast cancer. If we, she takes her shirt off, we don't want to be making her feel some type of way about her scars. Same kind of goes with the transgender community. And just kind of understanding that and being able to provide modesty, so gowns, sheets, just making sure that the patient is comfortable. I would hope that we're doing this with everybody, but I think I can even speak to my own practice. Sometimes I get relaxed, especially when we have a cooperative patient and we forget about those things. So kind of keeping that in check and making sure we're going back to those general patient modesty things, I think really helps. And then from a clinical setting standpoint, there's a couple of things I will just emphasize and I could talk forever about this. So I'll just kind of do it quickly. General neutral bathrooms certainly are one big thing. Also inclusive paperwork. I did give the handbook that PT Proud we just created over the winter time. And there is examples of inclusive paperwork in there as well as non-discrimination policies within your clinical organization that protect against discrimination for LGBTQ people. And lastly, I think the biggest thing that if I can give any takeaway today is take the time to educate yourself, right? That therapist that's never seen anybody who's had a bilateral mastectomy might want to go online and look at some images of that so that they feel more comfortable around that or take some time to explore there's so much content online around medical procedures and things like that now. Take some time to look at those things online so that you know what to expect, what you're understanding, what your patient may have gone through, and what complications they may be experiencing. Because you do this healing pain podcast, right? There's so much chronic pain in the transgender community post-surgery because many of these surgeries are so invasive. And honestly, medicine really hasn't quite caught up to us yet. And so the outcomes aren't always as successful as we would hope they would be. And some of these people experience chronic pain throughout the rest of their lives just to be authentic and feel aligned. So I think that that's a big part of understanding us. So much of what you say is so important to people who treat chronic pain because a lot of this also, we can talk about the physical aspect, but a lot of it also revolves around the psychosocial aspect of it, which we know is important in chronic pain in general. But I think it's especially important when you talk about the LGBTQ community who may have had adverse events happen in their life prior, whether it's in their home life or whether it's interacting with other medical professionals. So I think a lot of what you're saying echoes some of the good psychosocial skills that we're trying to develop as professionals, but now you can apply it to obviously this specific group. Tell me about PT Proud. I know you're deeply involved in this organization. Tell us about what the mission is and how it began. So PT Proud actually started when a group of students got together from Regis University and reached out to some of their professors and some of the other administrators and started to spearhead this movement within the APTA. And then 
some other academics kind of jumped on board and we became a catalyst group under the health policy and administration section, which thank you so much to them for housing us and continuing to support our mission. And our mission really is to improve healthcare access as well as empower our base, which is PTs, PTAs, PT students to feel supported in creating a more inclusive environment, supported in feeling not discriminated against in their own practice as well. And you obviously put together a handbook, which I have the handbook. We're going to give it today as a, as a free download. Thanks for including it. But I started to read through the handbook and I was like, this is really nice work that all of you put together that, of course, you can just read on your own if you want to educate yourself. But it, it really belongs, I believe, in a curriculum. But tell us, about, tell us a little bit about the handbook. Yeah, absolutely. So great. Um, give a little shout out to the rest of the authors there listed. We've all we named their names. I think we should name their names. Yeah, go ahead and read it off. Well, I have them on here. So Felix Hill, of course, Chris Condren, AJ Plus, Lindsay Fonz, and Carla Bell. Oh, and then there's an illustrator, Michael Zabalik, who made some great illustrations. Yeah. So big thank you to everybody for their hard work, enabling this to be out there, trying to help make change. The handbook really is designed to be a guide for clinics and clinicians to create more inclusion within their settings by educating themselves on things like pronouns and the experience of the LGBT community, what barriers they're facing, what health disparities are common there. We've even put things in there around trauma-informed care and inclusive paperwork. So there's so much in there. I think it's over 30 pages long. But that's also open access on our website at ptproud.org. So feel free to jump on there. And also, if you want to get involved with PT Proud or join, you can do so through joining the HPA and just going into, I think it's under Manage Preferences under your HPA account. And then you can go down and select which special interest groups and committees you would like to join. And all you have to do is just like check that box for PT Proud LGBTQ Catalyst Group. You're on our membership. So we're going to be releasing some new content in the coming weeks here, a couple of webinars. I'm also trying to spearhead a LGBTQ affirming clinician directory, hoping to make that a nationwide initiative that's kind of in, in the very early stages here, looking to try to put that out in ad form and trying to get people to respond and jump on board for that so that we have something out there for our patients to feel comfortable seeking this information out and knowing that they're going to a clinic that is going to be validating of who they are. Yeah. I mean, like you said, there's so much information in here with regard to LGBTQ information, but then you also talk about just in general, health disparities, inequalities, things in here that people can use that obviously relate to other populations. And you mentioned providing trauma-informed care, which again, I don't know if that shows up in a current curriculum. Can you talk about trauma-informed care just a little bit with regard to maybe the trans community? Sure. I think the biggest thing that we need to understand or in our approach as PTs is that touch can be either therapeutic or more not therapeutic as an invasive and triggering for people, especially those that have experienced trauma. And unfortunately, the transgender community experiences trauma at an extremely high rate. Recently, just in the last two months, I think there's been three attacks 
and murders of, in particular, trans women of color. One in Philadelphia, I think the other one was in Texas. And this is happening all the time. And regardless of whether it's covered on the mainstream media or not, it's happening every day. And so these folks are experiencing this trauma and then they're coming for care. And as PTs, a lot of times we're kind of desensitized to touch, right? We all go to class, we all get touched and we all touch each other. And then we kind of get really desensitized to the impact of touching and being touched. And I think trauma-informed care around that is like I was talking about with understanding gender dysphoria as well, is asking permission, explaining what we're doing. If someone says no and that they're not comfortable, not going on to press the person to try to get them to do what you want to do. It's being creative in what you're doing and thinking back to how you can adjust your treatment so that you can best match what your patient is comfortable with. Just like we would do with any other intervention there, but also employing some of those active listening skills, especially when we're doing patient history and taking the time to educate yourself on what may be some warning signs of what someone who's experienced trauma may be experienced, may present with, because they may not share that with you. So paint a picture for me. This is all relatively new in the PT world. What's your vision for transgender equality in the PT profession? That's a pretty hard question for me to like narrow down, but I tend to be pretty ambitious around this stuff. So certainly I think providing at the bare minimum, creating an inclusive curriculum, right? For in our academic settings, as well as in our continuing education settings. And I'm not just talking about pelvic floor stuff, right? Because that's where we've really seen this content before. I would like to see this in general practice. A lot of our states are getting direct access and we need to know how hormone levels might impact a patient's response to therapy or what other comorbidities may be occurring because they've had surgery or they've had gender affirming hormone therapy. In addition to that, creating those inclusive spaces, creating that inclusive experience that we talked about. Another big one that I think APTA is starting to come about with is having out LGBTQ individuals in the leadership as well as in the classroom, right? So I think part of the reason why our field in general has been slow coming about on this is because of the fact that many of our students don't see us in leadership. So they're less inclined to come join and feel comfortable because there is no one else like them, right? I went to a school where everyone was cisgendered and heterosexual and that was in my leadership that were my professors. And for me, that was difficult in a way. I've always lived my life out and open and I've been out since I was 15. It's still hard to feel comfortable to pursue certain situations. For example, like what do I wear in clinic because I haven't transitioned? Those kinds of issues. Is it okay for someone to touch me when I'm not comfortable with it? Saying those kinds of things is difficult if you don't foster the right environment. In addition to that, I think that LGBTQ folks in our profession, oftentimes we don't place much value on them. And I think that that's something that we need to start doing a better job of and valuing them in the leadership roles, valuing them in the classroom by using affirming language, creating inclusive environments. And I think a big thing that would convey that to me as a trans individual would be 
for the things that are happening for me to be included in the guide to clinical practice, right? Everything else, <laughs> our full spectrum of issue, you know, health issues is covered in the guide to clinical practice, except for being trans. And the, the gender affirming procedures and treatments that we receive are nowhere to be found in there. So clinicians have to go elsewhere, like to the WPATH standards of care, to be able to better understand what is actually happening for their trans patients. So I think if we could do all those things, as well as just respect us and normalize the fact that gender exists on this spectrum and that it's not something that's taboo. We've been around for centuries. We've been around since the dawn of time. There's lots of Aboriginal and Indigenous cultures that have us in them, the Native American culture, two-spirit identity. So I definitely think that, that those are the big things for me that I think if we lived in this utopia, that we would be representative in every space of the field. And that's pretty ambitious, but it could happen. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make it happen, Chris. I think the work you're doing is great. And I think I don't think, but I know like when I see this, when I opened up this handbook, I was like, wow, a group of you really started to create a movement basically, which is what we need. I mean, there are other professions, like if you look at the nursing profession, I think this has been already infused into the profession so we can maybe look at a model there, but I believe this is needed in the PT profession as well. And I really think the time is now and you all of you have a great start here. And of course you have my support. So thanks for being with me on the podcast this week and talking about this topic. Let everyone know how they can learn more about you and PT Proud and all the work that you're up to. If you would like to join PT Proud or find out more about these topics, we have a whole resource section at ptproud.org. If you want to know more about me, you can just search me on LinkedIn. I don't have a website yet. (laughs) Feel free to reach out by email. If you want to join PT Proud and the movement and have questions or ideas to get involved, always looking for new inspiration. And we love anybody who's passionate and excited about this content. We're going to be having new elections coming up for board positions and things like that. And we're always looking to increase our diversity of our leadership. So please reach out to us. We love to get more people involved. And that's actually how I got involved. I just emailed a student and here I am being able to really fulfill my hopes, dreams, and passions through this channel. So it's exciting stuff. So please reach out. Excellent. I want to thank Chris for being on the podcast this week. Again, that URL is www.ptproud.org. You can also tweet to at ptproud on Twitter, and you can also tweet to Chris at Chris Condren. That's at C-H-R-I-S-C-O-N-D-R-A-N on Twitter. And of course, you can find all the links, information, the handbook, everything, the show notes will be on the website at theintegrativepainscienceinstitute.com. I want to thank Chris for being on the podcast this week, for sharing this important information on LGBTQ competency, which is so important in the PT profession. Make sure to share this information out with your friends and family on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, your favorite social media handle, and stay connected to the podcast each week. Thank you very much. And we'll see you all next week. Thank you for listening to the Healing Pain Podcast with Dr. Joe Tata. To subscribe to the podcast and learn more, visit IntegrativePainScienceInstitute.com. That's IntegrativePainScienceInstitute.com. Sign up to receive weekly updates, leave a review on iTunes, and share this episode with your friends.